Yo, welcome back or welcome to the Educated Food Podcast. I am one half of the Educated Foods. And I'm your other half, Jarrell. Welcome back to another week, everybody. What is going on in these mad streets? Welcome back to another week and another episode. Like we say, like us, rate us, follow us, review us, tell all your friends about us as we try to grow this Educated Food Empire. This week, we are talking... TSU, HBCUs as a whole, and yep. we're going to be talking a little bit about DeBrat um, and a crazy ask a fool that really wasn't us, but I saw it on Reddit, so I have to give our advice on on this particular topic. So before we hop into all that, let's check in. How you doing, my brother? Excellent. I am doing excellent, and I have not been this excited about life in general. In a long time. So, I'm going to share with you all. This is my last official full week at my current employer. And I could not be happier. It is a situation. Oh, yeah. Give them applause. Oh, we got sound effects. <laughs> Give them the sound effects. So, here's here's the situation. Um, not to say that this employer was, you know, I, I wasn't mistreated or anything like that. I, it wasn't a situation where I was like, I hate these people. It was literally a situation where I tell people all the time, if your passions and your drive don't align with your career choices, it's time to make other career choices. And one of the things that I've realized with this particular job is great work. It is a great company. They do some phenomenal things. But the work that they had me doing was not the work that I was passionate about. And my passions were just not aligning with the things that they had me doing. They wanted me to improve in some areas. And that caused me to, you know, really sit back and think, like, do I really want to improve in these areas? And is it net beneficial for me? And do I care at some point? And the answer I kept coming across was, yes, I care, but this isn't something I want to do long term. Or and this isn't something I'm very passionate about. And so that led me to explore other opportunities. And I will let you all know what those other opportunities that have availed themselves are once I get in seat at that other opportunity. So there we go. Yeah, but I'm feeling great. And leaving a great place, going to a great place, left great work, doing great work, just aligning, realigning my passions. So yeah. And that's that's a message right there oh yeah. i wish i had the uh drinking your juice in south central message i wish i had that uh, okay. I, i'm at the download and try to put that into our sounds moving forward uh because i think more people will serve themselves better if yeah. they they go through that um, process you know of reevaluating their passions self-care reflection um, and then and then making decision that's best for them um, mm-hmm. to be happier in the long run. So uh, you know you know me I'm 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 super happy for you. Um, so congratulations. Dr. J knows exactly what the the new opportunity <laughs> is. Right, that, that is my actual friend outside the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, but what I will say is, <laughs> we just don't be on will, the show. Right. We, we rock with each other. Right. And what I also will say is. Sometimes you don't hate your place of employment. 
you just are misaligned with what your purpose is at your place of employment. So maybe you need to find another job there or you need to leave and go find something else. Because there's a lot of people out there like, oh, I hate this place. You might not hate that place. You just might be hating what you're doing. Exactly. Like people confuse the two a lot. Yeah. Right. You can, and it's easy. Like it's easy to confuse those things because mm-hmm. you can be burnt out. You can just be doing something that you are no longer passionate about, and now you're just going through the day to day and going through the motions, and it's it's affecting not only your your work life but your life in general. So you equate mm-hmm. everything back to that job being the reason for it. When yeah. that's truly not always the case, right? It could just be a misalignment with where you want to be now. Like, yeah, the same way people grow in relationships and grow out of relationships is the same way with your job. It's the same exact thing. And I had to, I had to wrestle with that earlier in my career when it was like, y'all really love this, but I'm burnt out. I'm tired and I don't want to do this anymore. And it wasn't that at all. It was, I didn't want to do that specific thing that I was doing anymore. Right. Like I still very much passionate about higher ed, um, black student enrollment, black student graduation. Like I'm very much passionate about that. But in the capacity I was doing it at other places, it just felt it didn't feel that way because it just wasn't aligned anymore. Like realizing, yo, the event side of things is not where I really want to be anymore. Right. So I'm tired of these events. Like, I hate these events when I actually now that I go to these events, I love them. You know why? Because it's not my everyday thing. (laughs) It's not my everyday thing anymore. Right. I love it. Um, Once you find or realign your passions with where you grow and and this you can take this in work, you take this relationship like it'll make things better. It will. You just have to you, you sometimes you have to sit back and reflect. Like one thing that people were laughing at Aaron Rodgers, he was like, I'm going to go on this four day retreat in the dark, sit in a dark room for four days and like figure this stuff out. And people make fun of that. But I'm like, yo, he's essentially going away, meditating and trying to figure out what his next step is in life. Absolutely. That's perfectly fine to step away and try to figure out, yo, all right, all this shit is just falling apart. Something's not right. Let me take a step back and let me assess what I bring to the situation and what external factors are impacting me in a situation. And let's, let's create a plan to figure out how to get us up out of this. More people should do that. Absolutely. I think so. I think so. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yep. How are and you doing, man? Oh, I'm good. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say, and it's not easy. Definitely not easy. Yep. Right. It's, it's not going to feel comfortable. Um, it's not going to feel good. Um, it might be some tears in that. It might be some stress in that. But you have to do that. Like you have to go through that. And it's not. That's not the fun part. And I think that's why people avoid it because it don't feel good. It's uncomfortable. Um, you, it, sometimes it could put you in a weird space, but you have to do that to get up to come up out of it. Um, so that's that's the preaching section. <laughs> preach, brother, preach. Just just um but how I'm doing, I'm doing organ rip. <laughs> okay. I'm doing I'm doing good, man. Um it's we record on a Friday, so it's a weekend. I did have plans to take my girl to Disneyland again this week, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's raining. So I actually I'm going to get to stay home and do absolutely nothing. I'm looking forward to it. OK, now, is this like one of those like monsoon type rains or just a regular like California? No, it's like it's like a storm. We got hail the other day in L.A. Oh yeah, I saw like that huge like winter blast coming down on y'all. Yeah, we got hell. And some places it snowed where it don't typically snow. 
Um, so this, this is a winter storm. Um, and, you know, people in L.A. don't know how to deal with it. So it's it's crazy. I left home like 30 minutes earlier so I can make sure I get to work safely because people yeah. don't know how to drive in the rain out here. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like on the east. People don't know how to drive in the snow. I'm like, yo, it snows every year. Sir, sir, <laughs> sir, hold up, hold up. Stop with your judgment because I am one of those people. If it's snowing outside, if I, if I, if I detect the hint of snow, you won't see me. I'm not driving outside in no snow. That's like driving on paper. It's like driving on a, a slippery surf. No, I'm not doing that. It's like driving on plastic, like coating your wheels with plastic and getting on the highway. I'm not doing that. Uh, that reminds me so much when I worked at you know, Winston-Salem State University, shout out to the Rams. Um, whenever there was like going to be a hint of snow, look, they closed mm-hmm. campus. Like it was snow day. Like mm-hmm. whenever it was a hint of snow, like it might not even snow, but just the simple fact that it might snow. Black people like, yeah, we ain't going to work. Let's just go ahead, and shut, let's go ahead and shut this down. And it was such a different contrast, like so stark contrast to when I was in Virginia and like snow had to be up to your knees for them to be like, all right, Snow day, but working at that HBCU, they were like wintry mix. Yeah, that's a that's snow. Like no, that's not snow. It's snow enough. Yeah, classic. And classic. I, I like sport cars, so like I just bought a new car because my old car was stolen. So I got a a, a Beamer, and it's a sport edition. Ooh, and talking about got the, money, I got a I, Beamer. <laughs> you you got a Tesla. It's like twice mine. What are you talking mm, about? Depends, like, depends on the model. Depends on the model. No, 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 no. You told me, and I and I can one hundred percent guarantee that your car costs twice <laughs> as much as mine, <laughs> and mine is used. Okay, mine is twenty nineteen. It ain't brand mine new. Used now, mine used now. <laughs> oh because yeah, you used it. <laughs> you and your family used it. <laughs> your car costs double mine. You know? <laughs> and they still hitting people on autopilot. Okay. <laughs> hey, anybody with that? Stop driving an autopilot, man. Like, take control of your car. Yo, All right, yo, stop testing technology. Like, stop, stop testing. And this is coming from a Tesla driver. Stop testing that technology, please. Y'all gonna ram gonna, into somebody's stroller? You gonna, gonna kill be- yourself? Like, y'all are literally gonna kill yourselves out here. Like, I be riding. I be seeing people. I saw a chick yesterday reading a book. Like legit reading a book, reading a book. <laughs> I was like, "Bro, I don't even like being in cruise control for too long." Like, no, take like, this off because like, no, like you gonna kill yourself out here, girl. What is wrong yeah. with you? Yeah, um, but uh, since I talked a little bit about Winston, let's um, let's hop into this TCU stuff yeah. that's going on and have and have a bigger conversation around HBCUs um, because we've had conversations about HBCUs mm-hmm. and it hasn't really been from a lens of support <laughs> I would say uh, because I think because we Ooh. are passionate we are in higher ed like, who, who hasn't supported all, HBCUs? We have supported HBCUs oh. that's not what I'm saying but most of our oh. stories has been HBCUs acting up <laughs> oh yeah but also remember when we went to bat for hbcus with that hbcu versus pwi thing like that's just yeah foolish. yeah 
yeah, we did there. But like the, the we foolery. we got we got at Howard because oh, yeah. they had kids slipping outside. <laughs> and and two things can be true. Howard is a great two institution. Two things can be it true. It was it was the institution where the amazing and phenomenal Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated was founded. Okay, just so y'all know, in 1914. But it, it, it's a little raggedy right now, <laughs> <laughs> and it got some raggedy stuff going on, and that's okay. Because things break over time. These are buildings, but you know, we need to get it together a little bit. Yeah. So um this is what's going on at TCU. Right now, uh Tennessee State University, I should say first. I keep saying TSU. Tennessee State University, historically back college, and obviously Tennessee. Um they are at risk of being controlled by the state. And the reason why this is such a big story that y'all should be paying attention to is in Tennessee, there is no other college controlled by the state at all. Right. And why are they looking to kind of come over and take control? Well, the comptroller's officials um, began a review in September 6, 2022. And Full disclosure, I had no clue what a comptroller was <laughs> until this story came out. But now I know. Comptrollers, um, they perform statewide accounting and reporting functions. They issue reports on financial conditions of government entities. Your co- your state college is a government entity. So they were basically running an audit on TSU because parents and students were um, upset this year in the fall because they didn't have enough beds, right? TSU had a record enrollment. I think they enrolled over 2,000 more students than um, they typically do, overshot their target. Um, And because of that, they didn't have enough beds. So there were students who were showing up who didn't have placements. Um, So once again, how we say two things can be true, that is a messed up situation. Um, that is that is a failure there right we're not going to scapegoat that that is a failure there student shows up planning to be in housing also read that there were some scholarships that were directly linked to housing um and students even with those scholarships didn't have housing placement so okay cool (laughs) Um, unfortunate right so they they were because of the concerns over off-campus housing also, they're alleging that there was poor financial practices at the school. They did this review. Um, the conclusions of that review was just released. And some of the key conclusions that the comptroller are, say they found it was, first, TSU management has repeatedly fallen short of sound fiscal practices, adequate documentation, responsive communication to concerns of parents and students, um and inconsistencies in testimony given by the TSU officials. Now, okay. this is actually contrary to other reports that they actually released that didn't show any mismanagement of funds. So you can't say you have sound they don't have sound fiscal practices or falling yeah, short when there's no mismanagement. So right. you have to question that there. Another key conclusion, um, the lack of planning and management, especially regarding scholarship practices that exasperated the university housing problem. That's what I stated. Um, 
They raised a total of scholarships from 6.4 million to 28.3 million this academic year. And some of those scholarships guaranteed housing, um, which forced the university to lease hotels and apartment complexes because they are in a housing shortage, like most colleges out in the world. This isn't a HBCU issue. Um, the the demand for housing is all, always exceeds the devel- development of housing. Like no school can build housing fast enough to keep up with their enrollment. I've never worked at a school that was able to accomplish that. Um, I've always worked at a school where this is supposed to be for two people. Hey, guess what? Mm-hmm. This year it's going to be three or hell. Sometimes it's going to be four. Four. Yeah. <laughs> so Those doubles be t- come quadruples real fast, real fast. Right. So this isn't, once again, this isn't an HBCU thing. You will see this at, predominantly predominantly PWIs like that. You will see yeah. that more. And that's what I've worked at outside of that one HBCU Winston Salem. I've worked at all PWIs and we always had to double always yeah. actually while working at the HBCU, we didn't do that. So, right. So I, I haven't seen HBCUs do that. I did see. Yeah. So when I was at Georgia state, we had a school by our residence halls that we had in Midtown. I'm not going to name the school, but there is a school who bought our residence hall. Y'all know who we are in Midtown. And we had singles. Those rooms that we had were singles. They turned those into triples. And I was like, how? Mm-hmm. It was small for me to be in there by myself. And mm-hmm. the apartment, how it is, it's apartment style. And it's supposed to be four rooms to an apartment. And so there were only four folks in our suite. But they had, what, three, six, nine, tw- 12 folks in those suites at one time. And I'm like, how? Mm-hmm. Yep. Whoa. I worked at another institution, won't say the name, but the room wasn't built for the amount of people they had in it. And yeah. proof of that is because when we had to construct furniture, beds were up against windows, which is a no-no. No, should be that. Oh no, oh um, no. So as a student was climbing down from the bunk, they fell out the tripped, window. Fell out the window. Oh Lord Jesus Christ! I fell out it. the window. Fell out. Why the window. would y'all put bunk beds near a damn? You can't do that because the room wasn't built for that. The room was built for right. a single one bed, like to have a single bed in there. It wasn't built for a bunk bed. But once again, enrollment is always going to exceed the need for housing like it is is always going to be that imbalance so there's imbalance there at tcu and another one is the housing problem is likely to continue for the foreseeable future because tsu plans to continue to ride the wave of the renaissance of hbcus right now where there's more and more students attending hbcus um they do plan to have two new residence halls in the future which mm-hmm. will increase their bed spaces to 4680 I think right now okay. they're somewhere around 3000 um but they're saying this still will not account for the amount of beds that they will need so yeah. because of these conditions they want they are recommending that the Tennessee Board of Regents um kind of have control over TSU, um, which will be the only school in Tennessee controlled by 
the border regions. It, but even even if so, that doesn't solve the challenge of getting government control over the institution. We have to understand and we have to reconcile with the fact that enrollment, the enrollment landscape itself is a very tricky and trying landscape. You can't predict what enrollments are going to look like. You can estimate what enrollments may look like based off of past trends, based off of, you know, a multitude of factors. But you can't say what your enrollment is going to be from year to year precisely to the point. What you can say, though, is we can at least attempt to try to solve for some of the things that a heightened enrollment or a slope in enrollment will affect on our campus. Like they're doing, they're, they're raising the bed count, but in the future, we're already about to hit a demographic cliff with the number of college going students in America right now. So even if they, you know, max out, even if they get every single bed that they want in the future, some of those beds are going to be empty because there's going to be less students coming through our doors. Populate the population is declining for college age students and less are going to college now because they can be TikTok stars and be Kim Kardashian. I think they could be TikTok stars. Right, um, exactly. So they don't need us no more. <laughs> yeah. So I, so this is so there was a there was a protest yesterday at the campus. Um and I think one of the things that people need to acknowledge that this isn't a problem that TSU created on their own. No. No institution creates that kind of problem. And this is deeper than like they want to talk about the finances of TSU without actually talking about the finances. So let's talk about the actual finances and why maybe they don't have the funds necessary to build all of these residence halls, such as, you know, a Tennessee, a Chattanooga, right? Let's get it. Let's talk about Tennessee land grant. How TSU since the sixties didn't consistently receive the funding that they were guaranteed to have due to yep. Tennessee land grants, which left them in an estimation that through financial analysts that the state of Tennessee, oh, Tennessee State University, $544 million. Do you think they will have more beds if they had that five hundred and forty four million dollars that they were short since the 60s? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like it was also found that 75 percent. Um, so that should have been 75 percent for UT and 25 percent for TSU, meaning that the University of Chattanooga was receiving all of their money. TSU was receiving portions of what they are. Yeah, of course so, they were. Therefore, that is one of the issues with not having enough beds, not having enough people to maintain the residence halls that they currently have now because they're talking about some of them are really old and need to be demolished. It's hard to demolish something when you don't have funds knowing you can either remodel or rebuild that. Right. So you're just going to jimmy rig a lot of things. Yeah. Even you're going to keep what you got. Even till today, talking about underfunding. They receive at they receive about four thousand dollars less per student than the University of Tennessee from the state. So even till today, they are still being underfunded consistently by their state, 
And now their state wants to come in, blame the leadership of TSU on not being able to provide enough beds for students when they don't have the same resources or they don't even have the resources that they are owed. They don't have the resources that they are owed to serve these students. And yet people want to bash HBCUs for under, not underperforming because we don't underperform. Yeah, not it's at all. amazing what HBCUs can actually pull off being historically underfunded and undersupported, and yet they still graduate the greatest minds in this country. Most black doctors, engineers, accountants, lawyers, things of that nature, they're all from, the majority of them are from HBCUs. They're graduating from those particular institutions. Without that, just... we would have a complete critical deficit of black people in the field of almost everything, if not for HBCUs. And they're doing that while receiving half of what they are owed, like half of what they actually should be getting because their white counterparts are getting this. Again, another example of black people making shit into sunshine. So when people say like racism doesn't exist, this is <laughs> this is what racism is. Right? It isn't a white person calling me a nigger. Like that's not what it is. What racism is, is I'm going to give a black school and these black students four thousand less dollars per student and have them make do with that and i'm gonna give that money over to the university that has 70 percent of their population is white ridiculous ridiculous there was um there was a similar situation here in maryland that happened with maryland's hbcus so the four historically black colleges and universities that are in the university of maryland system they sued the state because so we're we're a system here in maryland and they sued the state because of two things. One, the state was underfunding HBCUs. So that's Coppin, that's Morgan, that's University of Maryland Eastern Shore, and that's Bowie State University. So all four of them were getting underfunded. And to top it all off, they were also allowing institutions like University of Maryland, like Salisbury, like other institutions that were their competitors in the region, they were allowing them to duplicate programs or create programs that Bowie or Coppin and things of that nature specialized in. They were renowned for these things. And when you're a part of a system, one of the parts of equity within the system and one of the great things about being in the system is what you have to do is make sure that there's not a over, that there's a critical mass of duplication of programs at institutions so that you can have an equitable landscape for all institutions. So if you can't become a doctor at, let's say, Towson University, then you know you can go off to Bowie State University and go pre-med or something like that because they have a program, right? And so what they were doing in, here in Maryland was allowing predominantly white institutions to create these programs at their institutions that these HBCUs were already known for. They were already specializing on. They were already, you know, pretty much banking their enrollments on. And, and then they started to see deficits in their enrollments because people were preferring to go to PWIs because, of course, they're, they're more resources. You know, they're, they're resource heavy. And they could get, you know, better access to the resources that they needed because they knew that HBCUs weren't getting those resources. And a third thing is that the then governor, Governor Larry Hogan, our, our former governor, thank God, you out of here, goodbye. Thank you, Westmore, come on in. Please help us out. And he's doing a great job uh, right now. Uh, now, I don't want to jinx it, but he's doing a great job right now. But what I will say is, Governor Hogan at the time, 
So he he owned those four institutions, millions up, with an S, plural, not singular, millions of dollars. The state owed them millions of dollars. And not only what they owed them from lack of uh, payments over time and what they lost in enrollment tuition revenue or what they counted for in tuition revenue over time, then he offered them $200 million to settle the lawsuit. It was a slap in the face when, especially when, they were estimating that the state of Maryland possibly owes these four HBCUs up to $10 million. So they finally settled at $577 million, which I don't even think should is enough because the estimate, even if it's an overestimate, if it's $10 million, you're still, you still should be in the ballpark of about $800 million somewhere as a, you know, as a settlement, not five, but they settled at 577 million. And this is, these things are happening. And I'm glad that people are standing up for TSU because it's happening all over the place. And it is atrocious what some of these states are getting away with. And it, and it's, it's even worse. Like, so my niece goes to TSU Mm -hmm. and she is loving her experience. Right. She is being enriched. She's being enlightened. She is being fed into by people who look like her and believe in her. I love it. Right. And so this will directly impact her experiences there. Experiences that you can't replicate at a PWI. Like I will never take that away from a HBCU. That was the greatest thing that I saw while I was working there. Black people feeding into young black minds. Young black minds being able to congregate and, and build together and grow together. Right. Organically in those spaces. Um, and for TSU to be able to manage and do these things by being severely underfunded. Like even the, we all know, like I said, the state of Tennessee owes them over $500 million. They only gave them $250 million of that. Just last month mm-hmm. and we and the fruits of that 250 million is not going to be seen for years down the road yeah. like because they said they used that 250 million they're going to be like you know we're just going to build residence halls because that's our shortcoming right now right the earliest those things will be online was it 223 so 2026 mm. Like it takes so he, two to three years. It takes two yeah. to three years to build a residence hall. Yeah. I mean, th- these aren't Legos. Like they, you have to make sure <laughs> that this thing goes up and it goes up. Right. And it goes up to last. Right. Like this isn't an apartment, a janky apartment building either. Right. Like you want, you have to make sure that this is going to be a sustainable infrastructure that lasts for at least 20 plus years, if not more. And I mean, and it has to be more like because we can't because we're black, we can't let nothing go wrong. Nope. Of One of those not. buildings aren't built to code or fall apart. They All hell of Come yeah. up with a net. So yeah, it's three years before that comes on online. Right? So like people so injecting cash is cool. It's great. They need it. They owed yeah. it because it's theirs. Mm-hmm. And the way it's always framed is that, oh, we just gave y'all, we just gave y'all 250 million. No, you owe no. us. You pay me back. Like yeah. 
nothing's more frustrating than when I loan somebody money and then they give it back and they had a nerd to be like, or give half of right. it back. Right. Give half of it back and you're like, yo, what's the rest of my fi-? I just gave you $50, but you owe right. me 100 And then got an attitude because you're tracking them down for your money. Like, but you owe me 100 I'm Thank you for the 50 but you owe me 100 And you know what this situation reminds me of? <laughs> this, I'm about to go into my ghetto Baltimore stories. So this reminds me of a situation with my neighbor. So there was a situation one time where my neighbor gave my uncle a car. He gave him a car, right? Signed the title over to him and everything. He had paid the car off. He gave my uncle the car. My neighbor and my uncle were friends. They were, you know, da 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 da. My uncle had done stuff for him in the past. Like they were, they were homeboys, right? They had known each other forever and they just so happened to live right next door to each other. So then my uncle, he borrowed some money from my uncle. My uncle then goes back to get his money back. And he's like, Money? I just gave you a motherfucking car. I gave you a whole car. If you want to be so petty about a little $50, you can give me my car back. And my uncle was like, yeah, you gave me a car of your own volition. I thank you for that. But I also need my $50 because you owe it to me. (laughs) (laughs) This is the same situation with TSU. It's like, no, you, uh, yeah, you gave us some some stuff, but you still owe us. And now they want to be like, all right, well, we're going to come back and snatch your head and take the whole college since you want to be greedy. Since you want to come up and call us out, it's like what? Y'all are Order nuts. Reverse. Order reverse. Now we now we're getting into the foolish segment. Okay. When somebody invites you out to eat, and then you be like, "Yo, but I still need that 20. But I just, yes. just I just pay. Dog, if, if I knew this was the arrangement, I just would have asked for the money. I didn't have to go eat with you. No. Like, don't try to pay me back with something else. Yes. Right. Like, it's like what? I gave you cash. Give me cash. Give me- that's so stupid. Like, why would you take somebody out? Oh, because you're paying less for that food. You probably paid about eight dollars for a little hamburger and some fries mm-hmm. when you owe me seventy dollars. Yeah. Like, no, we just I just took you out to eat. No, so what? No. Thank you. I still no. don't need my money. Don't be like, angry. Yeah, <laughs> I still need no. my money. These two aren't the same. It's not. So all that to say, it's really just want to talk about the story. Um bring it to our listeners so y'all can go out um, and really be informed about these things and really be advocates as it relates to not only TSU, but whatever school that you are in close vicinity of that is severely underfunded and understand that it's a greater, greater thing and issue. And usually the schools that are most underfunded are the schools that support black and brown people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, that's that's the issue here. That's Never the fails. issue. It's overreach, oversight, and to negatively impact black and brown people. Like them taking over, the reason why it's so scary for the state to take over TSU, because now it puts them in a position to completely just close TSU. Absolutely. And they dictate like, whatever they want. Dictate whatever they want. Look at what's happening in Florida and um that crazy ass dude, I, I I'm blanking on his name. I was about to say Ron my DeSantis. governor here, the Santos. I was about to say my governor here in California name. I knew it was oh, him, Ron DeSantis. No, it ain't Newsom. No, definitely ain't Newsom. Uh, Ron DeSantis, right? He's stripping Florida schools of their 
diversity and inclusion and equity departments dictating what can and can't be taught in a classroom, essentially erasing black people from the history of this country down there in Florida, um, erasing um, challenges and attempts to just fight for equal rights in Florida. Um, that is, is all by design. And mm-hmm. I see that being a play with TS with Tennessee taking over. It's a play to erase these things, to erase the blackness out of that HBCU. Yeah. And all I'm so, going to say is when Florida starts being consumed by the Atlantic Ocean, <laughs> don't not near none of y'all mugs try to come up this way, okay? Because Florida will be consumed. It will be reclaimed by the ocean because it is sinking now. Well, it's not sinking. The ocean is swallowing it whole. Okay, and when it swallows it whole, I hope it swallows y'all too. Now, the black people and the brown people, the, the, the brown people that 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 are caucusing with the black people. Now, I want y'all to make it, <laughs> y'all, whoever it is that y'all are, and y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all, y'all, Ron DeSantis folks, and that includes brown people too. Y'all can get swallowed whole by the ocean. That's that's the funniest thing to me. Because, like, there's so many um, global warming deniers in Florida. And I'm like, y'all are about to be literally drowned because ice caps keep melting, raising the sea level. And you're you're literally state is about to be wiped off. The we we literally have icebergs floating in the in, in the northern Atlantic that are that have fallen off of larger masses that are the size now of two to three states combined, and y'all are still talking about the global warming as a myth. Just like flat earthers, we have a network of folks from a, around the world. Around the world, I thought the Earth was flat. You mean across this flat Earth? Like, come on, y'all! Y'all can't be that stupid. Stop being stupid. All right. This this wasn't this wasn't gonna be a topic today. What? It wasn't. But it, it came up as I, you know, try to sound educated on these topics, right? So we're we're researching while we talk, right? Mm-hmm. Um and this article pops up. What? Gen Z is gonna be the end of the world. Oh my <laughs> god. Here so, we go. Now they're blaming Gen Z. So they shifted no, from us to Gen Z. I'm about to blame Gen Z. I'm blaming oh, okay. Gen Z. Oh, you blame Gen Z. For this. Okay. So what what is it? So something that's worth knowing. Gen Z don't use Google for <laughs> their information. Instead yeah. of Google searches, yeah. guess what they are using more? TikTok. TikTok. I knew it. I knew it. TikTok. Straight off the cuff. I knew it. <laughs> Straight off the cuff. I knew it. TikTok. TikTok. So um, this article states like, um, but it's worth noting that the plur- Gen Z adults, 39% still indicate Google searches where they begin gathering information, but that's only 39%. That means <laughs> there is. 70 what 60 percent of gen zers out 61 percent of gen zers out there 
who will prefer TikTok to get their information. I'm tired. Don't y'all know that TikTok <laughs> content creators are just as dumb as y'all in creating content that ain't real? They're so I, I look on TikTok all the time and I'm like, oh, that look that seems interesting, blah, 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 blah. Let me look that up. And when I look it up, I'm like, that wasn't true. There are so many factual inaccuracies that that person just spouted out of their mouth. I'm like, I hope people aren't taking this on face value. And now, Jeff, you didn't just brought it to my attention. I think, oh, Jesus Christ. Well, God. Even worse than that. Even worse than that. TikTok is owned and controlled mm-hmm. in China. Which we all know, China controls what information Chinese people get. Yeah. What makes you think they're not controlling the information that they're allowing on their algorithms to get to us? So the fact that y'all kids who were born in, I think, 1997 is like the year Gen Z starts. Mm -hmm. I think so, yeah. That's where y'all getting y'all majority of your information from. That's awful. So, yeah, Gen Z gonna be the end of the world because <laughs> they are. They use they use TikTok TikTok more than anybody. Well, they use TikTok. Yeah. They, they it, it's it's crazy. So let me see. They use it more than Google. It, it is yeah. I asked the kid a couple of weeks ago, I was doing some community service and I asked the kid, hey, you know, have you looked that up in an encyclopedia to verify the information? He was like, what's that? I said, excuse me, you all don't have books here at this the school, encyclopedias? He was like, I don't know what an encyclopedia is. I said, okay, that's a little old school. Let me ask you this. Have you gone to the back of the classroom where there are a row of computers? And look that up. No. All right. So okay. I'm about to be about to be a little bit more fair to 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 the Gen Z. So even though they get their tick, they get their TikTok, they get their information from TikTok more than any generation. It isn't wow. as high as that. So let me be still. So out of a hundred, thirty nine percent is Google, which Compared that to millennials, it's about 46%. Gen Xers, 47%. Baby boomers, 48%. Okay. TikTok, so nobody's perfect. Yeah, but for TikTok, it's 14% for Gen Z. Okay. But no one else is over 1% from TikTok. Only Gen Z yeah. is going to TikTok. Then they go to YouTube, 13%. Gen X do YouTube. Millennials do TikTok. 10% of millennials do YouTube. Okay. Baby boomers, I think y'all need to get on YouTube a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. I, I get my technical information. So if I need to look up something like how to do something technically, exactly. like with Microsoft Word or a spreadsheet, something, I'll go to YouTube so I can do a tutorial. Yeah. You shouldn't be getting all your information from there. So, yeah. So, share respondents who said they use the following formats to start researching a major news event. It starts with. TikTok for or fourteen percent for TikTok, but still, that's a mess. They pay for the following number of online subscriptions. Nobody pays for online subscriptions <laughs> um, to news, unfortunately. 
um, unless you make over 100k. That's what it looks like there. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is an interesting article. We might dive into this a little bit more. This is an interesting article. Okay, cool. We can do that. Um, Gen Z obviously uses actually millennials are using AI. And I may have a, a more. I may have a good guest to come on the show to talk about some of what we're talking about right now. I actually have a friend who dives into that a little bit. So yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah. All right, let's um. You wanted you wanted to get into a topic that was that was kind of yeah. that got you a little heated. So we'll we'll jump yeah. into that topic. Um, to, to it's wrap just gonna up be very quick. Gonna, oh, okay. It's just gonna be a very quick rant. I just want <laughs> everyone out there. I know this might not be our listeners because I know y'all have more common sense than most. But I do want to express the fact that common sense just ain't common. It's not. So last week, the brat announced that she was pregnant at the age of forty-eight. Okay. Fine. The brat was. Born and assigned biological female. She has a uterus in her body. She has ovaries in her body. She has a reproductive system that allows her to carry a child to term. What she does not have, what she does not have, again, what she does not have is anything that is outside of those things. She's a woman. And for y'all to go all over social media and act a donkey about a woman who is able to carry a child in her body to term, having a child is beyond me. Yes, she is a lesbian. We just found that out a couple years ago for sure because we weren't <laughs> sure up until this point. I mean, of course we knew. We, 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 we knew, you know. We knew, like you, you, you know, like like your little cousin. You know, he 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 got a little he got a little sauce. He, he a little. We know, you know. We just didn't confirm it, right? And so it wasn't confirmed. But then we knew, right? She got married to Judy. They were in a relationship for a while. They had a beautiful marriage, a wedding. They're married. Great. Now, everyone thought that Judy was going to be, if nobody was going to get pregnant in that relationship, it was going to be Judy because she is the more feminine presenting partner. However, she's not the only woman in that relationship. And y'all don't know the dynamics of their relationship. Maybe Judy is not able to carry a, t- a, a child to term because there are women out there who have ovaries, reproductive systems, and shit like that, but can't carry a baby to term inside of their own womb. All right. Brett might be able to because she has a system that allows that to happen. There are women who were not born or there were women who were not assigned female at birth. There were women who were born with male reproductive organs who transition their themselves over time into their true sex. You hear me? They're not able and, to give birth because of those things. However, a woman who was born with these things, who was assigned this thing, who was capable of having a child and bringing it to term, there should be no damn surprise. What are y'all mad at? 
And the thing is, right, like even as you talk about, um, you know, people were shocked that it was Brad who's, who's carried the baby the term. Maybe that was always Brad's always wanted to have a baby, like always wanted yeah. to carry the baby the term. Like maybe that was her dream, like like most yeah. women. Yeah. Once again, she's a woman. Right. Right. Like, I think the bigger issue when it relates to to issues like this is literally men who mad that they couldn't get with the brat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Remember she went through a little about. sexy era in like the early uh, early two thousands, late nineties, and men were like flocking to get at her. But then she switched back over to you know the brat that we knew because you know I, I think she. I don't know what was going on with that whole sexy era, but it made me a little uncomfortable because I was like, I've always seen you as a stud and I'm glad you're back to your stud ways because I like it better and it looks better on you. <laughs> but yeah, like it happens. And women who are more masculine, well, I shouldn't say stud on the on the podcast because a lot of people ain't going to get it. And I'm a part mm-hmm. of the LGBTQ community. I have a privilege of saying that, that some people don't have. So I'll own that and recognize that. But what I will say is she is a more masculine-centered woman, and that's okay. There are masculine-centered women who are not gay. She's a more masculine-centered woman, and so it's a surprise to many people, but it should not be this, oh, my God, I'm disgusted, I'm this, I'm that, blah, 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 blah. She can still carry a child to term inside of her womb. And at 48, she's very blessed to do so because not many women can carry a child to term at the age of 48. And so that's what I was trying to I was trying to find some some actual research and some data on that. Right. Um, Because we have historically been, you know, led to believe um, that having a baby later in life um, is something you can't do. Um, But then we get examples all over the place of of women who are in their 50s giving birth. Uh, Hell, Janet Jackson had her baby at 50. Yeah. Um, I want to say Naomi Campbell had a baby at 50. Um, um, And what I was reading a little bit, it's like the there is actually a rise in women over the age of 45 having kids. Why is that? We all know because people now are getting into careers, want to be more stable before starting a family. So the age of the age of, you know, our parents having having us in their late teens, early 20s is no longer really a thing. And I was having this conversation with a peer yesterday. He was like, yo, I'm 34. I'm thinking I'm getting too old. I'm like, you're not. Like me and my wife, we didn't have our first child till we were 31 or 32. Right. Yeah. And we got and we got all that the whole time we were together. When y'all going to have kids, when y'all going to have kids, y'all waiting too long, y'all waiting too long. There, there isn't, and literally until that egg isn't capable of doing that anymore. That's the time frame on that. And women, you should go get checked and figure those things out. But you can't have a baby later in life. Don't let the world pressure you. No matter if you're particularly in your thirties and you haven't reached that yet. Yeah, but you know what? Outside of all those things, this ain't about sexism. This ain't about ageism. This goes back to everyone's age-old homophobia. Welcome to the party, homophobia. You are the MVP of this goddamn discussion. Y'all are homophobic, and y'all need to just admit it. Y'all think that it's nasty. Y'all think that it's wrong. When y'all see trans men giving birth, people wall out, right? Because it's unfathomable 
that this person who has transitioned into a man or transitioned sex to male still has reproductive organs and can give birth. People lose their minds. It's unfathomable to them. Just like it's unfathomable for them to understand that a woman who still identifies as a woman, just a more masculine-centered woman, can give birth to a child. This is about your homophobia. Y'all need to address that shit and own it. Because mm-hmm. that's the problem. It ain't about ageism. It ain't about sexism. It ain't about the race. It is about these two lesbians having the audacity to have a child together. Yeah. It's sick. It is sick. It- and all we want to do, and I, and, and I keep telling people all the time, we, the homosexual community, we will mind our business if y'all stay the hell out of our business. It's our business. And it ain't even the larger community's business if two consenting adults want to have a child. Even in the LGBTQ community, it's not all of our business if Brad and Judy want to have a kid or a trans man wants to give birth. It is that business of that person and their partner. And if you are not that person and their partner, you ain't paying for it. You ain't got to take care of the baby. You ain't got to take care of them. You don't have to take care of nothing else. Mind your business and keep your homophobia to yourself. Because the homosexual agenda is just for us to live and mind our business. That's it. We just want to live and mind our business. That's it. That's the agenda. Yeah. Minding your business is absolutely free. It's free. Free 99. It's free. It don't hit your pocketbooks. It don't hit your mentals. Mind your damn business. And on that, we actually going in the episode there. For one half of the Educated Foods, this is Dr. J. And I'm your other half, Jarrell. Peace.